Drums, please. Hey everybody, see note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is all about personal empowerment and unlocking your potential. Today on the show, we're talking about the social dilemma. It's a Netflix sort of drama documentary. I like these like hybrid format that format documentaries that are coming out these days. They're all really interesting ways to approach um, a narrative, but also providing information and testimonials and all that stuff. I think it's really fascinating. But the social dilemma is a drama documentary. <laughs> I don't know, documentary. Um, it makes me think of Dracula getting too distracted. Um, it's a Netflix documentary that talks about social media from the perspective of former executives or current executives in different places around the social media sphere, namely talking about things like Facebook and Twitter, but there's, you know, Snapchat, YouTube, Reddit, anywhere where people are interacting online and being able to give kind of the basic shallow opinions of each other. And one of the things that I really appreciated about this documentary is that it sheds light on, well, it really confirms a lot of things that I've been thinking about when it comes to spiral dynamics in relation to society, uh, social media's effect on us, on children, on discourse, on politics, on the way we talk to each other, the way that we, um, you know, our, our beliefs, our defending of beliefs, and also mostly about not giving ourselves time to do the accidental shadow work that we used to do back in the day before the modern iteration of the internet. And what I mean by modern iteration of the internet is really the last 10 years, especially after the internet changed to uh, algorithmic focus versus chronological focus when it comes to like timelines and feeds. And it's really become like this big jumbled chaos. And before the internet, you know, we used to have to just not sound like an old curmudgeon person. We used to have to go outside and play and walk 15 miles in the snow. <laughs> and uh, when you had to do that, when you had to spend time waiting at the bus stop, listening to music or, um, you know, sitting in line, waiting at a bank or something like that, when you don't have your phone to look down at and just like fill in all the empty spaces in your mind, we would accidentally do all of those self-judgment kind of bits of work where we have to think about, what we're thinking about. And even INTPs who I do mostly, you know, work for on this channel and on this podcast are susceptible to this because we need to take time more than anyone to take, to think about things in a proper scrutinizing kind of way. But if the world at large is also not doing this, then the fact that we're being divisive and fighting with each other or utilizing this unconscious, manipulative tool for our own gain, like none of that is surprising. It really is not surprising. So I do encourage you to go check out the social dilemma for yourself. And maybe you can come back and talk about this. Um, but I'll give you some, some general um, perspective on what I got out of it. So I'm not going to necessarily go into like nitty gritty detail. But one of the things that really stuck out to me is that in result, as a result of watching this, it reminded me of how much this personality work is important. Uh, whether it's, you know, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, objective personality, understanding yourself, you know, whether it's woo-woo, astrology, it doesn't really matter what the source is. 
But the attempts to understand who we are are incredibly important. And they're important because they help us self-reflect in a world that does not encourage self-reflection right now. Again, like I said, we used to accidentally get some of that shadow work on our drive home from work, especially now during the pandemic. You know, not, not as many people are driving home from work and spending that time by themselves that they would normally spend with other people all day, or just having time to really just self be self-critical in a positive way. Um, meaning, you know, thinking about what I've just heard or seen, is it true? Does it make sense? Does this person on the news, uh, are they, you know, what, what are the nodes in the system that are maybe making them think this or express this to someone? Am I being brainwashed? Am I being, you know, am I being encouraged by other people to think a certain way? Like having those moments of clarity to, you know, separate yourself from the tendrils of the internet, right? Because it's constant. Unless we're intentional about taking that time away from the internet, it's constant. And that constant onslaught of mental attack, <laughs> the mental warfare is not something we're used to. We're not, we're not built for 10,000 people's opinions about politics or what my face looks like. When someone makes a comment about my voice or my eyes or something, I'm like, why, why are you, why? <laughs> why are you making opinions about me like that? I can't change that, that sucks. But imagine that at scale with like 12 year old kids, like Gen Z right now is like amazingly anxious and depressed and angry and having to deal with a lot of stuff that they're, they're just this first generation that's born into it. And especially in middle school, when we're at the height of like these hormones and having to deal with comparison and it's just, it's, it's deep emotional turmoil. And when you start out of the gate, not liking who you are, that makes it harder to get to know who you are because a, you might not be honest with yourself about who you are and B you're taking your whole life and trying to become someone else. So there's a lot of emotion in my voice because this is very emotional for me. It's very important to think about this in how we ourselves can start to take personal responsibility for, you know, parenting our kids, uh, parenting ourselves, honestly, and, you know, turning off notifications, turning off the, the ringer on the phone and doing things that are encouraging of children or of ourselves to sit with discomfort, not to be depressed, not necessarily to, you know, wallow. It's not, I'm not saying melancholy. I'm not saying to lay in bed all day and do nothing. But what I'm saying is that to develop the patience to be able to stand in line at the grocery store and notice things around you or think about, you know, what you've just experienced instead of keeping your brain distracted again by looking on Twitter. You know, Molly calls it doom scrolling. And uh, that's really helped me paint a picture of like why it's so unhelpful. You know, doom scrolling is no different than I think someone made a comment recently about uh, doom scrolling is the the new version of walking towards walking to the fridge and opening the fridge and forgetting why you're there. <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like we do that constantly. It's like the second that anything important creeps into our mind, we're like, OK, I need to look at Twitter now. 
and just like start doing that. Like my phone's in my pocket. It doesn't need to be there. Get it away from me. <laughs> like it's not something I need, you know, and that's really some of the hard work is differentiating our needs for social media and these devices, whether you're like starting a business or connecting with family versus the unconscious dopamine hits uh, that we're getting from, you know, constantly trying to keep ourselves satiated and satisfied. It's of my personal perspective that, that we continuously feel worse the more we seek something and don't find it. So if you're constantly scrolling and you're looking for some sort of like validation or respect or a particular opinion or just like a funny video of a monkey doing something and you don't find it, you're going to get continuously agitated because you're not getting the hit. And that happens so much in so many different micro doses as we're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So the remedy for that is minimizing and managing how much we scroll. It sounds really simple, but the difference is that we now have to be intentional about it. Like I said, standing in line at the grocery store is no longer the same experience. We have to intentionally leave our phone in the car or leave it in our pocket and say, you know, have a conversation with the person in front of you and say like, this line's taking forever, isn't it? And like, how many times does that actually happen anymore? <laughs> and you know, how many times do you not accidentally connect with someone because you'd rather look at your phone and get a micro hit of dopamine? And it's not necessarily that we need to fill up that dosage of dopamine. It's that we need to manage how much we need. And again, that comes from managing notifications putting your phone on silent, maybe giving yourself specific time periods of day where you can't look at your phone, especially before bed, you know, three hours before you go to bed, put it away, read a book and get away from some of the shallow thinking. And what I mean by shallow thinking is that most of what we see on the internet is just micro hits of what someone's expressing. You can only say so much in 280 characters. You can only say so much on a Facebook post. You can only say so much in response to a very specific video about a very specific thing. And that's why books exist. Books are amazing because you can dive deeper into topics. You can really get into the nitty gritty and nuances of someone's perspective, someone's argument, someone's viewpoint on the world and be able to appreciate different perspectives. That's why I love video games. Video games sometimes provide that opportunity as well. Same thing with other stories, you know, Netflix shows and stuff like that. Allow for this opportunity to experience the full breadth of narrative that is beyond our own, because then that adds color to our experience. In my perspective, you know, as we grow and develop, we're constantly molding or shaping ourselves between who we are now and who we will become via introverted, you know, in, in, inner world internal growth and perspective of who we are and what we've been influenced by. And then the external uh, uh, influences that we experience in the world as well. And if algorithms are running what we externally experience, then we're not in control of our own destiny. We're only seeing what the algorithm thinks that we need to see. And oftentimes that is a reflection of our shadow selves. So if there's a deep kind of demon inner part of us 
which exists for everyone in some degree or another that we have to reconcile with, it's going to be continuously shown back to us by other people in an opposite way. You know, like extreme liberals and extreme Republicans are kind of the result of this situation. You know, they're two sides of the same coin. You know, the Star Trek, um, was it the, the Federation and the Romulans? You know, I've kind of talked about this in previous podcast episodes about uh, enemies and um, conflict. Is that you can only have conflict if you're the same. You're the same equal playing field. It's like, think about if you're, if you're doing a track and field situation and you have to run around a track. If you're going to race a baby around the track, that's not a competition. That's, that's de- demolition. <laughs> and vice versa. If you're the baby and you're racing against someone who is amazingly better at you uh, than this, it's not a competition. Competition is usually two people or two entities or two situations in which people are of equal playing ground to some degree or another. And the algorithms feed on this. You know, I, I don't mean to say algorithms as it's like some, some entity that is like bent on evil, but the algorithms are designed by people to do this in order to make money, which is nothing wrong with making money. I understand that, but it's the side effects that are what we're kind of scrutinizing and trying to reconcile with. Because when you have an immense amount of rewards for, for you know, an entity like Facebook or Twitter, where you're making a ton of money from this, to wholesale stop doesn't make sense because then you stop making money which is a valid way of, you know, valuing the world and going through the world, you know. But at some point, you know, there's a tipping point and you have to realize that, you know, it's not going to be good for business anymore or that there's probably going to be something that is greater than this that, you know, needs to be harnessed to make even more money. Or, or you know, again, it's the meeting in the middle, right? It's the internal and external. It's about us and documentaries like The Social Dilemma, creating this opportunity to let Facebook know what's happening, what's genuinely happening to people, and then Facebook themselves making changes that either that either sacrifices some revenue or comes up with something new, a new feature, which Apple's really good at, at naming new things that are pivots into features. Uh, but they, you know, everyone does uh, something like that. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, Facebook and us and government and all of that stuff. It's about meeting in the middle to find something that's better for everybody, which means it's equally our responsibility to manage what's affecting us. That's why I like this show is about personal empowerment. Empowerment is really another word for responsibility. Responsibility is your opportunity to look at what's affecting you and do something about it to make a behavioral change. Now it's tricky because like the algorithm is, it's this intense force, like we're social creatures and we want social connection and social media is like the easiest way to get that in any spot, right? It's either you take a shit and you stare at the wall or you take a shit and you look at your phone, (laughs) right? There's two options and you know, one automatically sounds better than the other because you get a hit from doing something, you know? And, uh, you know, it's this, it's this will, it's this behavior change to make a conscious choice to choose the first one, to just take a shit. 
and just be there with it, <laughs> you know, and really just like be in these moments to just stand in line at the grocery store, to just be on a date, to just sit and watch a, a show or read a book with your partner, you know, and watch something that's going to give you more intentional fulfillment. And really that's the big difference is intention. Now we have to be intentional and it sucks that we have to be intentional, but if that's what we ought to do, then that's what we got to do to save ourselves, to save our sanity, to save the world, to save how we can connect with each other, to save how we can, you know, understand other people's perspectives and worldviews and honor them in a way that really allows for growth for everybody, for a future to exist. And it sounds impossible, but I think sheer human will, one person at a time, that starts with you, to make these conscious choices. And there are all sorts of articles and videos and ways that people can express. There's books about, you know, quitting social media. And you don't necessarily need to quit. And, you know, that's the hard part, right? It's like you quit anything cold turkey and it's like staring you in the face all the time. But it's like, if you can find the things that are unhealthy to you, you know, delete Facebook if you don't like Facebook. You know, turn off the notifications if you're constantly distracted by it and you can't get any work done. Leave it in the other room. You have the ability to make that choice. And if you come up with ways to even hold other people, have other people hold you accountable, you know, like notice my behavior. If I'm, if I'm becoming more irritable, like ask me to take a break from my phone because sometimes that's just what you need. It's like this purposeful or accidental meditative state of just being and existing and creativity or making something or sitting with discomfort or writing a journal entry, doing something that doesn't involve communicating with someone else. Because again, we're not built to communicate or take scrutiny or to give scrutiny to 10,000 people at a time plus, you know, and that's why we're all dealing with this this divisiveness, you know, it's the algorithms feed us our shadow selves, which is typically an inverse of what we're already experiencing. And if we get to know our shadow selves, then we're less scared by it. We're less triggered by it. We're less influenced by it. We have this ability to look at someone and say like, I understand your perspective because I've seen that in myself as well. And I get why that makes sense. And you know, let's add to this discussion and let's do something else, right? So to understand other people is to really understand the full breadth of who we are. And it starts with our individuality. So this personality work, why I do profiling sessions, why I help people with the comments to figure out whether or not they're actually an INTP, which profiling sessions, if you're unsure about being an INTP, I help people differentiate. So if you're like, if I'm, I actually helped uh, Michael, he has his own channel. On, on YouTube. I can't remember the channel name, unfortunately. But if you go back into the community tab, I linked one of his videos on there. He did a profiling session with me. He was unsure if he was an INFP or an INTP. And I helped him differentiate that and give him valid reasons as to why that's the case. And it gives you a grounding point to be able to move forward and then do some of that deep inner work. Because picking a side is easy. Picking a side is lazy. It's arbitrary. It doesn't matter. But doing deep interpersonal work, that's hard and that's personal and that's meaningful. And that really is something that we can bring our best selves to the world with, you know, to 
It's the way people create music. You know, I mean, a lot of people would argue that there's not as much musical, emotional expression in music these days per capita as there used to be. I don't know if that's the case, if I'm just being a curmudgeon, but, <laughs> um, you know, I used to identify with music strongly, popular music even, um, especially popular music. It feels like popular music does not touch on that as much. It touches on cultural things, but it does not touch on deep interpersonal things as much. And being able to relate to those things is a result of someone else's shadow work to create music, to create art, to be in the moment. Uh, my partner, Molly, she creates, um, she does these uh, monthly doodle jams. She does weekly public doodle jams, and then she does these uh, monthly private ones where she will pick a playlist and she'll encourage people to just doodle, just make marks on a page. And she is so good at facilitating that. And most people feel this sense of relief and they feel this sense of relief because they're not engaged with social media. <laughs> they're not thinking about the big picture problems all the time. They're taking a moment to breathe and to be a person and to express and to work it out, like to actually draw it out on screen, right? And, uh, or to draw it on paper rather. So I'm going to wrap up because it's the end of the school day and these kids get really loud outside. <laughs> <laughs> but generally speaking, you know, I think The Social Dilemma, if you haven't watched it, is a great watch to start to get to know how we can really start to be present with ourselves again and how it's not scary, that it's okay to be with us and that we can, that, that by understanding someone else's perspective doesn't make us evil or bad. It's just about empathy. And the more that we can tap into empathy in our lives, the more that we can really embrace the full complexity of being a human being that we can honor that in other people as well. So the one thing that I'm encouraged by strangely is there was an Apple event yesterday that I watched and the Apple watch, you can get it without having to get a cellular plan for kids. Like you can attach it to a part, uh, a parent's cell phone. And I feel like at least the Apple watch for a kid is something where parents can still call their kids, keep in touch with them, and kind of know what's going on. But it's harder to access social media. It's harder to just doom scroll. It's harder to just compare yourself to people. And really keeps parents in the know. And I think Molly and I have been talking about this with, you know, each other about our kids and like, how are we going to, you know, manage that as the kids get older and they want these devices or they want to, um, you know, they start to become introduced to the world at scale. How do we talk about that? And I think that's an ongoing conversation, but I think the best thing that we can do is encourage reading books, long form media, having conversations, you know, disagreeing with people, but in a respectful way and understanding that other people aren't bad. There's really no such thing as good or evil. People make good choices or bad choices, but we're not inherently good or bad. We're just people that are going through the world doing the best that we can. And I think the best that we can often means taking that personal responsibility to make better choices, to turn off those notifications, turn off the ringer, take deliberate moment to focus with your partner or have dinner with them and have a conversation that isn't involving politics or the social world 
or what's happening with, you know, protests and all that stuff. These things matter. These things are important, but not every single second of every point of your day. You can still create, you can still make things, you can still sell things, you can still contribute to your existence and your humanity. You can still take a breath and still be a person because you are and you're just doing the best you can. So with all that said, go watch The Social Dilemma if you haven't already. I think it's great. It was wonderful. Um, there are aspects that are going to kind of take you into an uncomfortable place, but it lands on a positive note. And I think it's going to really get you to a place that maybe helps you understand, and hopefully not in a cynical way, how we can start to move the needle forward by focusing on personal development, personal empowerment, personality work, essence work, understanding what we are as a spiritual person, as a body, as a mind, and, um, you know, go from there. So that's why I provide community here in the comments. This is a safe space. I don't allow people to be abusive here, to be divisive here, to be extreme. This is open conversation. This is about discourse. This is about asking questions. It's about support. It's about love, care, and compassion. We also have a Discord channel. So if you join our email list below, you'll get information about that. And there's all sorts of other programs and self-learning opportunities, coaching opportunities, profiling, all sorts of things and all sorts of different ways that you can support the channel and uh, you know keep this thing growing or share it with a friend or family member that has watched The Social Dilemma and you guys can have a conversation about it. But either way, I appreciate you being here and letting me talk to you about this. Uh, but I would love to hear your perspective. What are your comments on The Social Dilemma, where we're at, and maybe some of the positive solutions. And especially if you have insights into how people can better manage their social media world, um, manage their devices. Maybe there's app recommendations to like manage the time usage or something like that. That stuff would be really helpful in the comments. So like, subscribe, hit the bell icon, rating and review if you're listening to, on the podcast. And that's really it. We've also got sponsors below, audibletrial.com slash dopamine if you want to pick up an ebook which I think is a really great idea. I love The Martian, one of my personal favorite books, especially for INTPs. Uh, the Martian is just like this incredible breakdown of these harrowing, difficult situations where someone is having to deal with their own personal shadow work and actually the logical work on Mars when they're stuck and having to deal with it in a very introverted thinking kind of way. So I think that's it. I'm going to go take a break. I've recorded two very long videos. <laughs> I love you guys. Leave some love. I'll talk to you next time here on Dopamine. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, 
as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Aaron Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Hi, my name is Michael. I just had a profiling session with C-Notes and I really loved it. Uh, I actually have been struggling for a long time, hesitating between INTP and INFP. So getting an expert point of view from outside was critical for me. Uh, I really felt in good hands. Uh, I was able to get rid of any doubts I had. I was able to ask any questions and that was really a game changer for me. Uh, overall, I'm really happy with how the session was set up and very happy with the results as well. So I highly recommend working with him um, and I want you to thank him again. It was totally worth it. Sign up for your own one-on-one -on -one personality profiling session at dopamine.life slash profiling session today. This has been a C-Note Media Production.